Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, my name is Colin Torpy, and I'm from Gloucester. And you're listening to Dane Baptiste Questions Everything. My question today is, how early is too early to put your Christmas decorations up? Okay, here comes the show. And remember, question everything. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Dane Baptiste Questions Everything, a podcast for myself, comedian, writer, and occasional actor, Dane Baptiste, my producer friend, Howard Cohen, a.k.a. The Hizzer, who is currently absent uh, due to work commitments, and a mix of very special guests pose the questions that need to be asked. And we are talking everything from... Talking everything from Colin from Cheltenham's question, which is... How early is too early to put up your Christmas decorations? Which is a good question and a very, very topical one, Colin. Me personally, I go for the tradition that is 12 days before Christmas and 12 days after Christmas. That's why the song exists. So that's normally when I put my Christmas decorations up. My advice to other people is you don't have to do what I do necessarily, but I would definitely advise that if you don't have access to like solar powered lights uh, in this cost of living crisis, I'd probably uh, maybe save a little bit of power. And maybe wait until the wire, because at the moment, uh, people are struggling for energy. And if they see you with big Christmas lights up, you might attract the wrong kind of attention to your house. And Christmas might feel a lot more like Halloween when the eggs start flying. Uh, So, yeah, that is the answer to the question. Colin, I hope that's been helpful for you. If you do like the show, please feel free to send in your questions. No questions are too big, too small, too timely or too festive. If you do like the show, please rate and review on Apple Podcasts or follow us on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts from and you'll never miss an episode where you can hear all of the very special questions being asked and answered via very special guests. With that being said, on today's show is a television presenter, fresh produce importer and author. He is also best known for presenting a multitude of shows including Britain's Best Home Cook, Eat Well for Less, Brain in Blood, Food, Truth or Scare and is one of the presenters on Tomorrow's Food. He is also the author of Fake Away and Good Food, which are two books encouraging readers to eat healthier and to ditch their takeaways and maybe go for a home-cooked option, which we definitely support on this show. Please welcome to the show, Mr Chris Babin. Hello, how are we? I'm good, sir. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Thank you for that very warm intro. That's very nice. I hope we covered everything. We like to pride ourselves on being a digital florist on Question Everything and celebrating people while they are in our presence and appearing as our guests. So, we well, we'll cover everything. I think it was. I think you covered absolutely, if not all of it, most of it. So, yeah, thank you very much. I love the idea of a digital florist as yeah, well. Yeah, I was a real florist. I was an actual florist oh, cool. in, the, in the real world. So, yeah, this is like a you <laughs> yes. know a combining of the, the future is, and the past. Is it Meet, meeting at the same time? Not to say that either in, industry is obsolete. I just think you know, flowers in real life can always help people be close to nature and show some appreciation. But at the same time, yeah, we don't want to wait until. We no longer are able to celebrate your wins before we celebrate them. So, you want to give us flowers then? Also, with that being said, Chris, I want to know: uh, 
Are your Christmas decorations up already? I think you're, I, you're absolutely right. You know, 12 days before and then 12 days after. But for me, I'd rather take those 12 days after and bring them to the before because, you know, for me, when Christmas is done, it's done. You know, I, <laughs> yeah. I, wanna, I want them down. I want to <laughs> yeah. get... Because he's admin. That is yes. admin yeah, waiting yeah. for you. You know, you've yeah. got, you know, I've got to get the ladder out. I've got to get the lights it's down. A lot, and yeah. all it's sort of a lot of admin. And the, and the range and stuff. And yeah. then you've got, you've got a hoover if you've got the tinsel. Because <laughs> the tinsel needs hoovering. So, yeah. <laughs> You know, I, even though I, I do try to keep with tradition, yeah, the, it's the administrative side of it that's quite tough. Because then there's all the cards, you've got to put the strings up for the cards to go across, and then stocking's got to go up as well. It's, it's lots lot. and lots of admin. And, uh, you know, I say all the time, instead of Santa Claus, sanitation clause, the persons that come to clean that shit up and pick up your bins and your wheelie bins oh. after all the food's gone away, decorations, wrapping paper, which I hope everyone's separating mm. for recycling purposes. And it's the people that come and clean all that stuff up who are the real unsung heroes. Yeah. The real reindeers. And also, on that, I remember being really, really moved one year. It was a few years ago now. Half a dozen years ago or or something like that. I went to the local recycling plant, refuse centre, tip, whatever you want to call it. After Not long after, my goodness, like it is just... Yeah. terrifying the waste <laughs> you know it's it's one day or, or yeah. you know you know it's, it's, a, it's a reasonably small moment in time yeah. and the money that we spend you know the waste that we generate you know yeah. all done for the right reasons in celebration and, and getting together and love and merriment and gifting and all of that like they're all lovely lovely things mm-hmm. but i think we've all got to try and do it in a in a in a, certainly this year in a in a more cost effective manner yes. i would say um and in certainly we've got to look at that sustainability of that yeah. Because it ultimately is just one day. And I think what what COVID has done as well, you know, having two years or two, it was two years, I think, that we couldn't be together at Christmas mm. shows what it's about. It's about yeah, yeah. sharing that time with the people that you care about and that you love. It's not about expensive gifts with expensive big bows and, and lots of wrapping and this, that and the other. It, it's, it's just about sharing that moment, sharing that time, being it, together. And I, and I think a lot of the time it's the void of being with people and having people to care for and being cared for that people try to fill that void with material gifts and so that becomes a uh yeah a vicious cycle which yeah hopefully this christmas or this holiday season people definitely try to reduce and focus on what is important as all of your christmas films tell you it's about love and family and obviously be mindful of people who don't have people around them at this time of the year maybe check in on a neighbor or give a phone call send a text and that can be even more effective than going to the trouble of putting up all of your lights uh with that being said chris i think it's a time for us to have a question as our very esteemed guest we'd like to invite you to ask the first question which can be any question you'd like which i'd like to discuss for about 25 minutes to half an hour and i'd like to pose you a question in the absence of my producer friend howard cohen uh but it's what he would have wanted and uh then uh, we discussed that for about the same amount of time and then i would love for you to tell our listeners and viewers and our great producer saffron where they can find out about your good works past present and future How's that sound? Yeah, it sounds absolutely perfect. I mean, it's, it's probably, you know, being a format, I couldn't change it even if I didn't like it, but, uh, Listen, but it sounds perfect. <laughs> it's, about, it's about questioning everything. So if you had an effective way to question the format, I'm always open to that, Chris. Always open to innovate, trying to be adaptive and stuff. So floor is yours. So I suppose, you know, lots of questions, you know, and I, I think as, as you get to a stage in your life, I'm 42 now, you start to question a lot more than, than, than you have sort of previously. And it's probably a timely you know moment to to reflect on on this question that i'm about to pose you know we've touched upon christmas and and the the real meaning of that and mm-hmm. and, and what's important and what's special about it but i think my question is are we more divided 
as a, as a population, as a people, as a country than ever before. It certainly feels like that to mm-hmm. me. It feels like we are more politicized and 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 more I don't know more dogmatic and and less open to communicating and and and, and move it. I remember previously, you know, you might believe something and I believe potentially the polar opposite but we could have a conversation about it and yeah. i might move you a little bit towards me yeah. or you might move me a little towards you yes and we might even come away having not really agreed but we could have a conversation and appreciate each other's points yes. and, and yeah, understand yeah. the other viewpoint but it feels like over the last sort of i think it feels like half you know six or seven years that really has stopped and it yeah. and it's very binary it's it's you know you have this belief or that belief and never the the twain shall meet and and that's it you know you 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 can't no one can give any ground you know there's a real sort of i don't know that identity politics and we just don't seem to be able to to get along that well at the moment and and appreciate other people's perspectives or viewpoints anymore and i don't know why you know i mean there's a few reasons i think that have certainly played their part but why is that and and how do we go about fixing it it's a it's a good question uh uh my 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 co-host howard is in absentia but i know he'd want me to ask has anything influenced this question in particular just the just the temperature at the moment yeah, you know yeah. the current climate you it's know like, it's like palpable you can feel it you really can ah, okay, more yeah, yeah, yeah. than than ever i mean i've not you know, nothing specifically has happened to me that that made me think crikey this is this is hard you know but it's just i i just feel there's more tension in the air yeah. there is less forgiveness and understanding and it's and but maybe that's magnified by you know mediums like social media potentially well well, potentially or but i think i think he raised a really good point and i think in terms of like the latter part of the question in terms of how we can work towards a uh a process of either unity or or a base i guess tolerance or or moderation uh i think it's a really good point where you said that it's it's even though it's not something that's happened to me directly it's palpable and i think that's probably a really good start to that part of the question in that like having the uh, awareness and to an extent the empathy for the fact that you can see that there is palpable tension or divide between humans as a social species is a good start because I think one of the reasons why I guess we've seen this increase in polarization of people is the availability of echo chambers Mm. like I think that what you mentioned before in terms of people being able to have discourse even though they were coming from opposing points and having to I guess as a part of social etiquette and just uh, for uh, equitable reasons having to have some kind of middle ground even if it's just the respect of hearing someone's viewpoint um, I think that uh, technology has probably facilitated uh, being a people not ha- being having to indulge that so for example if you uh, if you make a disparaging comment about somebody in a enclosed space and other people hear you and then it turns and goes I'm sorry what did you say you'd be less inclined to repeat it knowing that people are judging you for in an unpro- showing unprovoked aggression to somebody, whereas on social media, for example, you now people are have the gift of anonymity. Mm. So when they are exploring or they are projecting the worst aspects of their of their of their self, they don't have to deal with the consequences of that normally. Whereas before, if you said something unsavory or you shouted something out, like as a comic, for example, if somebody heckles, like the crowd will turn around and see who that person is, and if anything, they'd be forced to hide or have to leave, or they'd be ejected by security. Whereas 
with social media, you can have the equivalent of hecklers and they don't have to show their face. And you don't know if it's necessarily a real person. And they can, and you can make a point about someone and make a critique about somebody. And that person doesn't even have to accept accountability for their mistake, like a politician. Because you can make a comment about a politician that's done something wrong or done something morally objectionable, we should say. And they can make a burner account and they can uh, rebut- uh, make a rebuttal to what you've said. But they don't have to do it in the guise of themselves as a, as, as a politician. They can be a, a random person. Or they can employ someone to do that. Yeah. And so I guess the, the shroud of anonymity has probably allowed for us to show the worst parts of ourselves in yeah. that, like, you know, what, what do people do when they know no one can see them? Yeah. And so I think that's one of the issues. And then I think, um, I think the social media one is an interesting one because I uh, would say I don't think it's necessarily uh, created this, uh, I guess, darker or more toxic streak in people, but it's probably enabled it. Yeah. So that's why I say what I said in, uh, that people... I think we all have bouts in our lives where we feel like assholes, when we feel individualistic, when we don't feel like helping other people out. For me, it's being stuck in traffic. <laughs> that brings out the worst in me. Like right. I'd be like, fuck this guy and fuck this guy and fuck everyone. And for me, being in, being in a car in like traffic during peak times or rush hour, I guess is what it's like to regress back to the mindset of being a sperm, mm. making its way towards the egg. Yeah. So we're all in our cars, we're all in like metal sperms. And what and all the sperm is is just like it's genetic material with a protein tail that directs it towards the egg, and a car is just a metal bare sperm where the genetic material is inside of it, and the egg is our destination, whether it's work or home. And because we have our individualistic goal, any of the other sperms around us are just competition. Yeah. So you're sitting in your car being like, "Fuck that guy! I'm fuck that guy! I'm this guy! The size of this fucking guy! He's so stupid!" And then when you arrive there, it's like, oh. Now I have appreciation for life again. And I always say, if somebody was able to record or look at my brain patterns or my narrative in while I'm driving, you would it'd be easy to conclude I'm not a very nice person. Mm. But then I'm able to be, uh, then return to interacting with other people when I arrive somewhere or getting out of a car and be able to be connected with nature. That brings me back to a state of peace again. Yeah. And I think, and I say that because I think that's what happens to some people when they are on social media uh, because I think trollism is like a temporary state of being as a human being and we probably should maybe look at it as a actual clinical with an actual clinical description because yeah. I actually think trollism is like an acute state of mind that you can be in where you can go online and hear people just talking like idiots and it's like you don't like it's like public transport if you got on a bus or you get on a train and you hear people talking stupid shit you can just roll your eyes and be like these people are idiots where's my stop coming up and but for a second you can become have very you could become very mistrusting or have misgivings about human beings based on the conversation you're overhearing because you're like these people sound like idiots and i think there's a lot of time that people come onto social media and a lot of people have their own uh everyone has kind of their prejudices their fears and their angst especially when you are trying to find your tribe online Mm. and when you see and hear things without context that make it appear as if you may be from a tribe that's being attacked that day or trending has been attacked i think human beings become naturally very defensive and because you can't actually see who your enemy is on social media it makes you all the more paranoid yes and i think in some parts as well it's just seeing other people being mean to other people makes you lose faith in people and so we can all very easily become trolls because the difference and i say that i think the difference is chris is 
you see dumb stuff on TV, but you and I growing up, we're about the same age. When we used to grow up, there was always that bit of small print that said, don't try this at home. Yeah, yeah. This is fake. Don't try and yeah. replicate this. Now, you don't see that on social media. No. So when you're online seeing these opulent displays of material wealth and people with impossible facial and beauty-based symmetry, there's not the line. It's only very recently now that we're seeing a regulation of people saying, oh, this person is using filters. This is a fake body. This person's had cosmetic surgery. Yeah. But it's, you could argue for a lot of people the damage has already been done because people are always going into this piece of media, which is a lot less regulated than television, and you can be fed lies all the time. And the problem with them is that like those lies are very much designed to influence what you do next. Mm. So, for example, when you go online, you're, you're a young girl in your 20s. You go online and you're a 20-year-old girl, you're in uni, you're studying chemistry, or you want to be a pharmacist. When you go online, you're not going to see any images of women who are scholars and educated being celebrated in a media sphere. You don't get to see women even being listened to unless they present themselves a certain way. Yep. So you probably, so I understand then, then you probably see the comments that are under pictures of women that are scantily clad where the only engagement or validation comes from if you appear a certain way. I can understand it's very easy for you to start developing somewhat of a misandrist streak or distrust of men because yeah. of what you see on social media. And there is no institution which either regulates this or provides a counter-narrative. And that's an example I can think of for division. Yeah, no, I completely agree with that. And I think, you know, how many characters, is, uh, you know, do you get on Twitter? 120, something or whatever. It's 240 now, it's 280 yeah, now. Yeah, we've, yeah. We, we, you know, we, you're right. There's the, the anonymity is certainly part of that. And I yeah. think that, for me, feels like an absolute no-brainer. That mm-hmm. feels like an easy win there. You yeah. know, you remove anonymity... For the most part, maybe you can never eradicate it completely, but yeah. but it feels like you know you would need to provide some form of documentation yeah. to do almost anything. I mean, yeah. even to buy something in a shop now, like yeah. they want to know who you are. Let me have your email address. Yep. You know, can, can I see some identification or whatever? You know, receiving a parcel even in your own home, you know, yeah. prove to you me to prove you, who are you are. You, absolutely. You know? um, so it seems like. Well, you if you know, travel, you need a passport. Whereas, but the metaverse, temp. When you argue the metaverse gives you the opportunity to travel on a much larger scale. Yes. Because you can see what's happening on another continent and you can also hear from correspondents and interact with people on another continent much quicker than you could if you flew there. Yeah. And yet, you need a visa or passport for you to fly presently, but the equivalent in the metaverse doesn't exist. No. They don't, they can't, if you've got a criminal record or you're a felon, you can't walk into certain countries. Yeah. Or if you have terrorists, whereas if you've been someone that's spouted rhetoric that has enabled terrorism or encouraged terrorism you can still you can't go anywhere necessarily but you can still travel yeah. in, in the metaverse yeah. and for a while we obviously introduced banning but as we've seen now all it takes is for someone with enough money and influence to buy a platform and you can be reinstated yeah so yeah I, I, def- I definitely think it, it can be a problem because as I said it's like where you've had people who are in society who are normally repressed as it is when they're given one form of freedom or another and one being like, you know, no one knowing who they are and therefore not having to be accountable for it, then it can, yeah. So do you think, I mean, because if, you know, I think social media certainly plays its part, you know, for good and bad. I think, you know, there's 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 loads of amazing, you know, things that it that it can do and, and facilitate and enable. There are, without question, lots of, of negatives as well. But if I think back to, I don't know, 
15 years ago it felt you know like the the, the you know mid to late 90s or whatever however long that's so probably longer than 15 years ago now but it felt like we were in a good place yeah it felt like we were really positive but mm-hmm. i don't know social media was probably just starting to to come i mean my dates are way off no no way, you're not, but, you're not uh, because you know what it's interesting because this is what i saying i have a theory about this chris because 15 years ago is a really good point because that's about what's that 20, 2007 just before the credit crunch uh yeah okay so for me like the credit crunch was was almost a catalyst for me so i started doing comedy in earnest i'd given it a go like 2006 but did it properly like years later around probably about 2011 2012 when i kind of left the whole nine to five thing to really pursue comedy and i say this because one of the biggest factors in me making the decision was the credit crunch yeah because i would definitely say the way comedy and entertainment looked and where i was from and uh like it didn't really seem like an option. Like comedy was something I, I thought would always be a hobby, mm. and the idea of being able to make a career from it was just like alien to me. But what happened with the credit crunch for me was, I guess when most people were asked about their dreams as an adult and why they don't do it, most people were like, "Well, I got bills to pay, I got families to take care of, or I got kids to feed," which is the normal answer and is a more than you know common sense answer. And then what I noticed was that uh, those things were all taken away from us yeah. with the credit crunch. If you work towards having social security or a pension, an ISA, these things were used as collateral for subprime mortgages and for these toxic assets. And then after private banks fucked up in a capitalist economy where, you know, if you haven't got the money to trade as a business, you shouldn't be trading as a business. We were then told in a weirdly socialist way that these banks are too big to fail mm. and they need the tax money to bail them out for the job they need to do. Now, I say this to anybody who says that you're right of centre or you're a libertarian and you're an anti-socialist, that's socialist. There's no way around it. There's no other way to describe it. If tax money is bailing out a business or giving the handouts, that's socialism. So if you are somebody that supported the banker bailout, then you cannot say that you're centre, right of centre, neoliberal, capitalist, commercialist you can't say that because they got a bailout and in someone who studied business i know a business being bailed out by taxpayers money that is socialist and there's no other way around it so what i believe happened then is well first of all it meant that anybody who paid into that tax base like we all have since the second world war were fucked massively fucked we were screwed over our money was stolen and given to bankers who years later now report bonuses and profits and we don't get our money back. And I know, again, when you invest in a company that's a PLC, for example, or even a limited company as a private shareholder, or even if you have a hedge fund, once the thing you invest in starts making money, you're supposed to get a return on your investment. There's no more business theory. These banks were bailed out by us. Yeah. But now they're reporting profits. We're not getting that money back. Yeah. And for me, that was the first, because I was like, well, so then even if you have a normal job and you've worked hard your whole life and you've paid money into a pension you might not get a pension now because the bank's fucked up. Yeah, yeah. And we're still dealing with that. And what happened then is that you had a bunch of banking interests in the form of things like Cambridge Analytica. Yes. Who then decided to invest in social media. And I truly believe... And politics. And politics. And I truly believe by lobbying the corrupt enough politicians and by manipulating the data of human beings, they've created this distraction and polarization. Yeah. And so we're so busy arguing about what pronouns we should be using and the right nomenclature to describe, to say, which is a fine conversation we could have. Yeah. yeah. Because as you said, before we'd have these conversations and we would use art and we would use 
cultural discourse and we would use conversation in order to have those conversations anyway. Yep. But people who have taken the true part of ourselves, not, not the identity politics part, but the true part of ourselves, which is our behavior on social media for data. Because yep. even if you are black, white, gay, straight, whatever, on social media, it's just your data. It's whatever you fill in. It's whatever. You, it's however you react on your phone. It's whatever your biometrics are when you see certain things. Yeah, yeah. These people know this, and once they know it, then they can manipulate you to behave a certain way. So you will be. It's very easy for you to believe everybody hates everybody. Yeah. And if you're in a scene as a, any human being, and you think everyone hates everyone, of course you're like, well, fuck it. I don't know who to trust because if I say, it's like I was thinking about this the other day. You know the film The Purge. Yeah. The Purge shows people the idea is that for one day. All crime is legal. And what they like to show is the idea is that in day when crime's legal, all of people that are working class who do nine to five will just go out in the streets robbing and killing everybody. But I think, why would we need to do that? If you know that crime is legal for one day, you know what most people could do? All the stuff we see politicians do that we don't get away with. Yeah. Why would I need to kill other people? Because what I could do is, you and I, Chris, we could just say this. We just import a fuck ton of cigarettes. Because remember, there's going to be no import yeah, yeah. duty. There's no, there's no, it's duty free. Yeah. So normally when you go on holiday, like think about yourself, you go on holiday normally, you know, you sometimes you see someone that's bought like too many cigarettes and they're in customs because they've broken the um, import laws. If there's one day where lo- everything's legal, that's the day to do it. Yeah, of course. Me and all my other friends, let's bring those cigarettes in by the truckload, duty free, and we sell them and undercut all of big tobacco. Yeah. Or we say, look, normally we can't bring in drugs. Because it's illegal. But why don't we all work together? This is the one day. Yeah. We all bring in our drugs. We put them together into nice, neat packages. We just say to them, you just wait in the water. You wait in the water yeah. until 11.59. As soon as that's illegal, come in here and we put together the drugs in a nice package and everyone's able to have them in a fine way. Even when we make our money, like people normally if you put your money in a bank of over 50 grand, they have to raise an alarm to be like, this person has had a big windfall and we don't know why. But if there's that one day that all crime's legal, that's the day you launder your money and yeah. send it to the Caymans. That's true. That's that true. The, the, but this is this this idea that because we are of a certain tax bracket, when the opportunity comes, we'll resort to crime and stuff like that. And this is the idea that there's a lot of suggestion that when times are hard, we should all be like, "Well, this is us, and we're we're from England, so fuck everybody else, and yeah. fuck these immigrants, and and, these, and the idea is that all this division is being encouraged because." Once you're divided, well, then conquering you is much easier. Yeah, of course. If only, if only one group of people show up to complain, that the shopkeeper proverbially doesn't really necessarily have to care. You're just two customers. I don't give a shit. If everyone complains about their meal in a restaurant, then they have to listen. Yeah. Then they have to question the kitchen if one person complains. And I feel like that's a big part of this encouraged division between people is that because we're so busy fighting each other, no one's remembering. In 2008... They stole all of our money. Yep. So even if you've been working hard as a legal citizen, you don't take drugs. Like, there's a lot, and there's a lot of people out here that we might refer to them as like conservative. But a lot of people, I guess ideologically, when they say they're conservative, they may go to, all to church on a Sunday. They go to school. They go to, to bring their kids to school. They go to work every day. They believe in God. Some people might say it's archaic, but it's a normal run of the person who aspires at least to be a good person, a patriot to an extent. Even that person, the same as your non-binary pansexual like tattoo slash interpretive dance artist but what these both people have in common is that if they both pay their taxes at the end of their working life 
they may not be able to take care of themselves. Mm. If these both of these people and their families have paid into a healthcare system that if they require it during a pandemic, for example, they will have access to medical assistance. They won't have that because the banking industry has destroyed that. Yeah. And yet they fight against each other because they're told they're both different. When really the person, there is a whole separate entity that has screwed them both over alike. Yeah. And very clearly they don't want them to have the conversation that, well, you know, because what you tend to find is when people actually have money and they can afford to employ builders from Poland, they don't really complain about them as much. When people can afford to send their kids to the schools they want to, they don't have to worry about immigrants' kids coming to their schools. Yeah. They don't have to worry about what Europe is doing to their shelves. So it's very clear that someone is very much profiting from this division. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And the, and the purge analogy is interesting as well because you're right, like we are being divided and, and that's happened from the absolute beginning of civilization. You yeah. know, the masters of men will yep. seek to divide you because ultimately if, if everybody got together, however many billions of people went, hold on a minute, how have six people got all the money? Yeah. Like, that's bonkers. Yeah, but exactly. The purge- and, that's the question, and that's the question. You'll say, how will six people have it? Well, what you, what you see is that instead is we have a landscape where instead of asking ourselves to six people, these people say to us by ourselves, don't worry, we'll give you some of the money as long as you stop them from getting the money. And so you look across the landscape of the world and there are entities everywhere where we still think, oh, that rich guy, he cares about us and he's going to make us rich too. And this rich guy's... But the thing is, what I think is sad for me is that like, when I was seeing this tension begin to grow as well, it's like when is this going? What would what can do? What can we do about this? And then a pandemic happened. Yeah, and it was like watching everybody sit down, and for the first time, where we couldn't be distracted by trying to chase these rich people. So when the George Floyd thing happened, when George Floyd was killed on camera, I think for the first time, because everybody was able to sit down and see it, that allowed for that global empathy, for that window of global empathy to take place, where people were like, do you know what? I know I live in Japan, but I know that's not okay. Yeah. I live in London, I know that's not okay. I live in Australia, but I know that's not okay to treat a human being that way in civilized society. And that opened up a large conversation which was able to happen because I personally believe you didn't have white or black all scrambling and running for the same carrot being dangled in front of them, not for political representation or resources or for just for personal security. Yeah. Because everyone was at home. Yeah. So everyone was like, you know, we don't have to be on this treadmill every day and then this rat race. It's not, that's not the issue and so and then we saw because these these governments knew we can't exploit these people by making them get onto shitty trains to go to work because now they know they can work at home we can't exploit these people and make them be dis- disposed to like being sick because they don't have to go out there and get sick or they can make their own food and then people start realising I don't have to have a boss to talk to me like shit because I can do an internet business and as people began to learn they, used to, they started hearing them saying well people just start going back to work because blah, 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 blah. Away, yeah. go, back, go back into work but it's been for me it's been proven that if we sit down and listen and watch we can there was a window of unity there was even in that that same window at the start of pandemic people started seeing like the reduction in litter in like the in the canals in venice Mm. and they started seeing the bees numbers recovering yeah and so it's like if we just stop and listen not just to ourselves but to the ongoing monologue of nature in general it's very clear that there is a way that we kind of have balance where we can have conversations and we can learn and we can have healing and we can spend time with our children like and we can allow for our environment to recover because we do put a lot of strain on it yeah so this so the pandemic on one hand people say there's a lockdown but 
in many other ways, it was a siesta that we just all chilled for a bit, had time to reevaluate, think about ourselves. A lot of people came up with new ideas, new businesses, because what we learned then is the true currency that we all need is just, well, it's time. We'll be back after this. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Welcome back to the show. I think you're absolutely right. I think it was a recalibration moment, wasn't it, actually? And everybody sort of, you know, maybe a time to sort of readdress things. And actually, you know, the the, the purge analogy you made, I think COVID and, and the lockdowns did go some way to showing how good people are when given the opportunity to be yeah you know and that was that was a real sort of shining light and actually a maybe a like a, okay it's not all doom and gloom you yeah know? because people were going and knocking on their neighbor's door you know we were forced it, everything became the world became smaller yeah. again didn't it much smaller yep. so it was very you know street-based community-based you know you're you're looking yeah, exactly. after your your neighbors and, and making sure that everybody was okay and that shows that actually we are you know people do care you know when we are when you're right when we're not being you know drowned with with you know these messages of don't trust anyone you can't trust anyone you know it, 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 people are good at heart the, yeah. the most the majority they are well i, I mean just thinking of even even because even i think even when we look at ideas like good and bad and morality those are human constructs but as just a biological species it's in our interest to help each other because we're a social species so it's not just like oh it's good or bad or it's a suggestion from maybe come from religious belief we obviously somewhere inside of ourselves understand that in order for us all to prosper we need to take care of each other yeah and you know it's just it's a big difference to see how people walked like you know when people went in their walks to see how people walk when they know they don't have to be somewhere at a certain time to to see that people are walking for the purpose of I must walk in because I want to be outside and take in nature and see other human beings. Very different mindset. Yeah. Taking a walk in London when people have somewhere to go or they've got a <laughs> deadline or they're late for something or they need money to make, it's very different. Yeah. Whereas people when they had to they walk when when taking a walk became an essential part of their humanity is a very different thing. And it's the same way where it's like how people I, I even used to notice it like like it is, like I said 15 years ago on a train you can see how hard people are working to distract themselves from remembering they're on the train going somewhere they don't want to go yeah, yeah. Uh, whether it's the iPads and the phones and all of these things to distract you from remembering that you're a, a debt slave like even the fact that 
there are people who their life experience, particularly living in a metropolis, is I go to work, I go to shops, I go home, I watch a box set, make my food, maybe keep my food for tomorrow, I gather myself, I go to sleep. And they people become so engrossed in this mm. that I think the lockdown was what it took for them to realise, you know, I live by myself in this fucking house. I don't there's no one no one I love is next to me next to me. Yeah. And I think a lot of people woke up were kind of like that's why it's called a rat race. Yeah. Because I've just been doing the same thing perpetually for so long. I'm not taking any time to grow or think about what I like or even who I am. And, you know, you when you look at that extent, I, I, I got this bit on stage when I talk about internet dating and stuff as well, where I say it's like, if a dating app really wanted you to find love, there wouldn't be much money in it. <laughs> yes. Because they pay you, you, you pay to join and then you pay for like an upgraded account yeah. and then you get like more likes and more exposure to more people who are also told if you pay you're also predisposed to seeing like the creme de la creme yeah. of the people in this dating pool but then if you were supposed to find your accurate match in like say you were started dating for like maybe two three months you find the right person online they're not going to make much money off you for the rest of the 10 months no. so it's very hard to have a annual forecast or have a business model that they could get other investors to invest in Yeah. so it probably stands to reason that a dating app would kind of tease you with someone that you they think you might like based on the data you've given them, but it's not this. But we know a lot of the time, the real true connection of love is never something that you could describe on yeah. a drop down sheet. It's what this person, what we normally find in love or coupling is this person makes my existence feel valued on earth. The reason why I really care for this person, and again, it's something we've normally not look about as human beings, is that what love normally is is that this person makes me be happier about being myself. Yeah, that's the part of myself I give to somebody else. It's a very hard thing that you can write down or describe, but normally when we're describing feelings of love, it's just like it's like, it's kind of like six foot six. Yeah, yeah. But even the six foot six thing is that it's not about the height; it's about the fact that when this person embraces me, I feel safe yeah, because of their size. Yeah. That's a very hard thing to even describe to a new technology like artificial intelligence because there's arguably not much logic to it yeah. necessarily. So what we are giving our, over our data and the things we think we want or we're telling things that we actually want when really what most people want is for someone to see good in us. Yeah. Really when it com- what it comes down to is with love is it's not about what we actually want. It's someone seeing what what's wantable within ourselves. Mm. So dating apps don't really do that for you they make you keep coming back keep giving your soul to the machine you keep giving your ghost up you keep giving your yearning things you wouldn't even tell your friends yeah. to a machine and then it's able to sell that to other people to sell to you in a much easier way Yeah. and it's very interesting that like people continue to use things like dating apps and stuff like that as well and they encourage people to, to do it when it's like after all of that no one for as long as it's been around and as good as this technology is where well, you can find people anywhere mm. you can have a whole rule of people that want to date and not leave your house. Whereas before you'd have to go to a nightclub or yeah, yeah. rave or a social gathering. And yet people are more lonely than they've ever been. Yes. And it's the, and that's the thing with everything as well. You know, diet plans and all of this sort of stuff. You know, that no one wants to give you a solution because then that's it. You know, right. you you are no longer a customer. You know, right. so it's 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 that con- it is that continuum. All of these things and these products and these, you know, necessities and desires and and everything that we're sort of bombarded with are ultimately, it feels like just all designed to keep you 
head down. You know, like yeah, the guys yeah. in the in the city. You know, these big bankers and all yeah. of that. You know, the the I've heard the the worst thing they want because you actually you know they earn a lot of money, whatever. They don't want you you to come into work with your mortgage paid off, of and, course, and, yeah. and and your and your Mondeo fully specced or whatever that, that's the, that is a nightmare for them they want you because you, you, you wouldn't you wouldn't need it you, do, you don't need them anymore and if you're decked and the first thing is if you're happy with a Mondeo that makes it much harder for them because then what they say then is well don't you want a Mercedes yeah 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 because, because and, that's, and that's why the question is always with social media what are you thinking and how are you feeling today now normally in your normal walk of life most of us don't even tell the people that we love mm. the true answer to that question and what happened first is that for a very select part of society, therapy would be the answer to that. You can yeah. go and tell someone who is objective or impartial yeah. how you feel. Anonymous. Can, anonymously, yeah. There you go. And they can tell you they can tell you what that might mean and what that means to you. And and if you and sometimes your dreams will tell you and then you tell them what the dream about the dream you had and they can tell you what it thinks. But they had to go to university and be qualified for that. Yeah. And, they, and in many cases, they got to take like a Hippocratic oath because they're not allowed to... They fuck you up or they give you drugs that will hurt you even more. They're in trouble. We don't have the same regulation for social media, even though it's asking the same very intimate questions. How are you feeling today, Chris? And you get so used to it, sometimes you don't even think about it. Like, yeah. oh, I just fucking had a t- terrible conversation on Facebook. And it's not that it's bad because everyone has temporary states of toxicity and temporary states of fear and angst and, you know, optimism. But... Because you're so isolated or you're so busy, the stuff that you would normally tell your close friend or your lover or a family member, you tell this machine. Mm. And then the machine tells you, ah, oh, other people agree with you. So you go, oh, I guess I'm not so alone. So now you start mistaking this for validation or as a cure for loneliness. So we don't, th- we have the impression that we're not lonely because we're getting dopamine releases that normally come from being validated, but we're still by ourselves. Mm. And then we get so used to that, then we start thinking, oh, this is the, how the, the normal way to act. Because normally, even if two people agree with you, you still, as a part of normal social etiquette, have to listen. To, like, if you go home and tell your partner, I've had a shitty day, and that person is empathetic and they care for you, part of that covenant as a human being is, you got to hear about that person's day as well. Yeah. Because it's, cause then you learn two things. You learn, I'm probably not alone, and also I understand empathy that a part of someone understanding my problems is that I have to understand that other people have problems too and you gain perspective. That's very skewed when you're on social media because the individualistic part is so encouraged within you. You're so taught so much that it's your problems that come first and self-love comes first that then you begin to hear about problems of other people but it's supposed to be how you feel and how you feel so then you become more individualistic and what I think has happened is that Technology has aided so much other aspects of human existence. It's allowed us to become like amoebas again. Mm. Now we're single-celled organisms. And as a single cell, you are massively sensitive about yourself. And like you said, the 15 years part was also a great thing to say as well, Chris, because our minds, as they exist in the metaverse, are teenagers. Because it hasn't been around that long. Yes. problem is when you're a teenager is very sensitive. Yeah. Because you now have adult hormone production, but still the mind of a child. Because if you've ever seen, like, you know, when even on the sitcoms, they show the interaction between a teenage girl and maybe her dad. And he'll say something like, put, put something on, it's cold outside. Why, dad? What? Because I'm just like a whore? Is that why? Is that why you think I can put something on? Come on, are you fucking... How did we get here? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> because when you're still trying to have a sense of self and learn that your place in the world, it can be very scary and you become very defensive and you're trying to work out who you are. And that's a large part of most of us when we deal with teenage angst is that that's when we start learning about political identities and what tribe you're supposed to be in. And 
I say to people all the time, like that's how social media's played out. Yeah. It's like uh, we're all in high school again, yeah. but it's, the, it's it's metaverse high. So it's such a big arena where you're trying even harder than you have ever done. Like, perfect example I being is like, I would say most when we talk like people talk about racism, for example, and or or, or, or like sexism, they're two enormous topics that are discussed on social media all the time. And I'm not making an excuse. I'm explaining a reason whereby there are a lot of men who have never heard what women go through every day. Yeah. They're just not, they just don't know. Either through the fact that normal media manipulation means they don't listen to when women speak or if they're told something, this is a show for women, so they ignore it. True democratic conversation for a lot of people has not happened for many years. And so a lot of men are not used to hearing, actually, the thing you thought that women are okay with, they fucking hate it. Yeah, yeah. They hate when you do it. And it's intimidating and it, it, it demeans them. And they're not used to hearing that before. So... They, you're getting a lot of people becoming very defensive and I guess it's emperor's new clothes a lot of emperors have never been told that they're naked before Yeah, and that's what a lot of people are experiencing on social media is these conversations that are very uncomfortable that a lot of people were not privy to like there's a lot of people that live in the UK who grew up watching reading newspapers thinking people like Britain people like the Queen but they don't know that there are some people who do not give a fuck Yeah, yeah. and now that we're having democratic conversation it makes a lot of people very uncomfortable and the way I say it is like, it's kind of like this in school, you'd have had a, like maybe four or five kids who were like the misfits or they were like the outcasts or the weirdos, whatever you want to call them. But basically you went in the popular group or they were non-conformist and they all sit together in a canteen. Like when you think of those American sitcoms and stuff. Now, when there's four of them sitting and five of them sitting in a canteen, they're not really big numbers. And so, you know, they'll have their, their time, but it's, it's relatively negligible. But when you take into account the global digital population, there's five of those for every school and every group. Mm. They're big enough to make their own school now. Yeah. So now they have a galvanized voice. They probably experienced something they never experienced before, which is popularity and being part of a dominant culture. Yeah. And learning how to process that and how to even express within that is something they've never had before. So to anyone who's been a conformist for years, they're not used to hearing this either with such a large and resounding voice. Yes. And so we're now in this new kind of, like I said, metaverse high where we're seeing these new misfits and identities and tribes and we're only now, and some people are just not used to hearing from the voices of the marginalised and the voices of the suppressed. And it makes it seem like it's bigger than it is. And it's not, and it's not saying bigger than it is, but it's, these are groups that have never been able to express, have collective unity and discourse. They've always been androgynous people. They've always been non-binary and they've always been transgender or what we regard as genderqueer people. But for many years, they were they, they thought there were so few of them, they didn't know what to call themselves or they yeah. maybe didn't have a, a, a united name. And also, they weren't able to talk to other people that have had a similar experience. I, I say to people, when you're a kid on summer holidays and we go bowling and shit, there's no space where like a group of lesbians can go bowling together as friends or gay kids can go as friends. And really, they don't really have, there's not a massive difference between people because your sexual orientation, it's not that big of a difference. But as a teenager that's probably where I had the most conversations about sex. A lot of them were fictional, of course, because we're all young, but that's your, because you're having your sexual awakening. Yeah, yeah. Now, if you come from outside of mainstream ideas about sex, it's very hard for you to participate in these conversations. Yeah, of course. When you are meeting other people that you can finally talk to, because we don't have like LGBT summer camps for young kids, what we have is conversion camps, but for kids who want to be out about themselves, they've never had it before. So of course it seems like their voices are louder than they've ever been, but it's not that. It's like being in a room for the first time and you meet someone who's your friend or thinks just like you and you're like, ah, oh, someone else likes this shit. Yeah. 
But that's a positive thing, isn't it? Like that's yeah, a, that's exactly. a great thing, you know. A, yeah, yeah. But how does it come from that to then? I suppose, I suppose, if you've been marginalised, then maybe an instinct is when you, you know, you get a, a group, you get a following, you find yeah, your yeah, people. But there'll be, there'll be collective anger as well because yeah. or because of feeling resented or feeling rejected by mainstream culture on mass. Now that you're able to come together, yeah. you probably want to share and commiserate together. We've gone for this collective trauma. We're all collectively resentful about it. We want to collectively strike back at people that have made us feel a certain way. Like, there kind of has to be a space for that. And then it comes in, like you said, there needs to be, the, where's the moderation that there can be the conversation where we, where mainstream culture gets to learn, we don't like to be regarded as this. We want to have the space and opportunities to do this. There's no, there's no going to be, there's no negative effect on society for this. Yeah. Because, as I said, both of these groups need food, light, water, and heating. Yeah. And there is a group that's taking it away from them. Yeah. And while we're so busy arguing about, use these names and these names, no one's getting food, light, water, and heat. So at least at the very in, at the very least, we have to at least create a platform where we all respect and understand the idea. We all should have this as a human right. Yeah. Whether it's, a long, if anyone's paying tax, everyone should be able to love who they want to be with. As long as they're consent, consenting, everyone should be able to have housing because that's a human right. And once we settle that, I guess it's, yeah, we need to establish meta-human rights Yes, before we proceed. And I think that's what we're kind of working towards is if we can get uh, meta-human rights and understand and respect meta-humanity in the same way that I guess we've seen a lot of trends on the internet come into real life, we can start seeing like, you know, like I said, good unity that we've seen from marginalised groups and new conversations migrating positively into our world, hopefully. Fingers crossed. And I suppose, you know, you just have to exercise a bit of caution and questioning, don't you? Because, you know, why would why would a trillionaire or a billionaire media mogul or company owner or whatever, you know, why would he or they not want you and I to get along like what yeah. possible reason would they have for really that question. you know so I suppose and, and, and you know what Saf I think that's a good question as well that we can continue why is not in, in, in the interests of billionaires and trillionaires for us all to be united and also just as, really as a second question. as a second part to that how how have we let them make us believe that we've got more in common how has the working person got more in common with Trump or Murdoch, or yeah. the Barclay Brothers, yeah. or any trillionaire and squillionaire and billionaire. Or, you know, yeah, like yeah. how how have they made us believe it's a good, it's that, a good that they're with? I'm the same as them. Yeah, with and I, I got more in common with them than I have with people on the street, just like whoever. Me. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's a very interesting point, especially because when you consider like most of us will turn our heads or roll our eyes or try to avert our eyes when we see uh, a homeless person or someone we perceive to be abusing uh, drugs and stuff on the train, like. <laughs> More tax is less offensive to us than someone being like, excuse me, ladies and gentlemen. Like, we we can hear someone be like, yeah, starve those kids, and we don't get upset and pissed off. But if someone comes on the train and goes, excuse me, sorry to disturb you in your journey, everyone's like, oh, come on, man, who the fuck's this guy? Like, what's going on? I'll oh, get a job, buddy. And before, <laughs> before, I used to think it was because people, like I said, just inside this, didn't care about homeless people. But what it actually is, I believe, is people tend to become most... Uh, defensive when they see themselves in something yeah when something reminds them of something within themselves that was that's yeah. what makes them uncomfortable is it scares them and whether or not people like it and for all of the people how we postulate about well i go to work every day and i work hard and i don't ask anybody for anything the sad truth is for most people that live like that you're if you went three months without working you'd be in the same position 
100%. That's how most of us live. And I, that's not, I'm not saying that as to be alarmist. That's just a fact. I don't know most, anyone that could go, like, just, you know, turn the, t- with no help, with no additional help, yeah. you turn your income off for, t- for I'd probably less in lots of cases, but but certainly... Two months, most people would be on the street. 100%. So, yeah. we've, got, so we've got more in common, so much more in common with the person on the street yeah. than any of these trillionaires. There you go. That, that person could be you in eight weeks. Yeah. And that's the thing. But I think you made a really good point in the question where you said, like, how have we allow them to convince us to believe that we got more in common than them. And that is it, it's belief. Because that is a part of the capitalist idea, uh, which has had many forms, whether it's uh, in the form of the National Lottery or the American Dream. And the American Dream is particularly uh, yeah, one of the biggest examples of capitalism. And the reason why, and I, I shouldn't take credit for this, so there's a comedian called Patrice O'Neill, and he one of his quotes I think is one of the best ways of describing the current economic times we live in. He said, like, we as the people will never overthrow these millionaires and trillionaires. And the reason why is because somewhere in the back of our stupid minds, we think it could be us too. That's the reason, one of the reasons why is that, is that we, the reason why we think we've got more in common with them is that we think, oh, it's much easier imagining us with opulence and wealth yeah, yeah. than it is to imagine us being on the street yeah. with a dog for warmth. So this is a much nicer sell to us. And we can tell ourselves, that could be us if I work hard or if I win the lottery and we play all these games, we have these games of chance or we gamble because we believe not only that we can maybe have money, but the other belief, I guess, is that money allows us to transcend all of the problems we have. Like in terms of like people always like, oh, how could people vote for Trump? And why are people, how could people possibly like Trump? He's the Pope of capitalism. He is the personification of what most Americans believe the American dream is. You don't have to be educated. You don't have to be nice. You don't have to be in shape. You don't necessarily have to be conventionally attractive. With enough money and confidence, those, you can have those things. Like Donald Trump, characteristically, like books read, he eats cheeseburgers every night. For any American that's grown up along the Bible Belt and who's grown up on the idea of, you know... American football and cheerleaders and fireworks and USA and pickup trucks and apple pies and cheese. The idea that you can go home and eat a cheeseburger every night made by a chef. You've been raised with that. Yeah. You've been raised with understanding. This is the guy. He's like, fuck everybody in America. You'll be, you've been raised with that. Like this, that's the idea. And, and you see it a lot of time for people that, because I truly believe that is the uh, religious system that really governs this part of the world. It's capitalism. Yeah. And don't get me wrong. I understand that for, uh, there's a good reason why people believe it. Because before capitalism, people, particularly in this part of the world, Europe, we grew up with monarchism and imperialism, where yeah. we believe that you as a subject or as a normal working person, a peasant or whatever you want to call the laity, you are at the behest of the kings and queens who have been given their power as designated by God himself. Or these people are, who are rich conquerors and nobles they have all resources and if you're lucky they break you off with something or as a serf of the system like you take care of the land and you have the privilege of having these people give you money capitalism came along by merit of you know where it's the round heads and uh you know the founding fathers but the idea is that i don't think it's fair the idea was i don't think it's fair that you can be born into power we believe if you work enough and you get enough gold you should be able to have whatever 
these people who were born with power were given. That is why America is a proud republic. Obviously, the small print is that, like, yeah, obviously we'll use slave labor to make it happen. But the idea is that with enough money, the world is yours. This yeah. is what Americans are taught. Yeah. Now, that makes it seem all the more attainable because I think most people who are part of the laity or whatever understand I'm not going to be born a king or a queen. I don't know if there even is a God or if they're going to bless me with the power to think. But if I make enough money, I can have these things. And that's what most people are taught to believe. And they're also taught that working hard is how you can achieve it. Mm. And most people have to work fucking hard. So when they see some of these, they see they uh, billionaires. These billionaires are like, well, I came up with an idea and I monetized that idea and that's why I'm rich. <laughs> and then most of the people go, well, I've got ideas. Yeah, yeah. I can make that. If you've got ideas, can make it rich. I've got ideas. Yeah, yeah. So everyone believes it can be them. And they also understand in order for me to, to be me, it can't be anybody else. Mm. And... This is what we're all chasing. This, and this is what I think a lot of people are just being taught to chase is that if I work hard enough and have enough money, I can have all the things I want in my life. Yeah. Not understanding like the, the crazy part of the paradox is like the CEO of Ikea, even if he spent a million dollars a day, he won't live to spend the money he has. Yeah. So you think to yourself, well, why? What's the point then? Yeah. So is it, are billionaires the biggest prisoners of us all? Because... One thing we all have in common, the real thing we all have in common with all billionaires is when we die, we die. That's the real thing we have in common is we're all going to die one day. Yeah. And if we were all on a plane and that plane crashed, you don't have a better chance of surviving than I do just because you're in the first class. If the plane goes down, we're all going down. The same way, if this earth is fucked and you can't breathe the air, billionaire lungs breathe the same oxygen I breathe. Yeah. And air does not distinguish between someone that is on the street or someone that is in a penthouse in New York. And maybe they know that so the thing is they they understand we're all going to be the same when we go so while I'm here I need everyone to believe that this is what they should be chasing yeah because then it makes me feel better about who I am yeah maybe yeah I suppose it does validate them because how can the how can you be there like how can you be like a billionaire if everyone's a billionaire, fine, no no problem. But if you're a billionaire and there's people going, it's like, say say you've just told me, I'm starving hungry, Chris. I've not eaten all day. I've, I'm so hungry, I can't, I feel I'm going to faint. Mm. And then I get out my sandwich and sit here and I'm, I'm, I couldn't enjoy my sandwich knowing that you're, like, so we'd share it yeah, yeah. or whatever, or I wouldn't eat it in front of it, whatever. Like, I don't know, you know, you'd find that, yeah. you know, but how can you be, how can you, how can you process having so, so much money? Like, like the witch of you will never get a chance to spend, you know, without doing like, I don't, it just doesn't make sense. Yeah. Does it? And there you go. It's, it's us. It doesn't make sense. But I guess to somebody who doesn't know what it's like to have someone give them a sandwich because they care about them as a human being that I think creates an inferiority complex in people where they're like I don't feel good enough about myself that Chris will give me a sandwich because who I am whereas if I teach Chris that if he gives me that sandwich for money then we both get something then I don't have to worry that I'll be rejected as a person yeah I mean I think I think it definitely it can extend a lot more than that but I think you're right it's, it's a weird thing where why why do you but then the thing is it's because it's not so much about how they view money it's how they teach us to view money yeah because if, if we're both in here and we were stuck in here for a week your sandwich is going to be a lot more effective useful than money yeah of course if it was just us trapped in a small room your sandwiches have much more value than money in here 
It's only out there that we give it a different type of value. But as a perfect example being, when we're in a room and there's three people in this room and you're the only one with a food source, you're the richest person here. Yeah, yeah. And this is what I think scares a lot of people who have fed into capitalism, which is why what they'll do then is they'll employ puppet governments and they'll pay for military hunters to take over countries that have resources like food and then be like, we'll give you money. But they know that resources are much more valued than money is. Yeah, yeah. So it's really about, but it's, but everyone's been taught that it's money that makes the difference. Because a lot of people think, yeah, well, if you have money, you'd be okay. But here's the, que- here's the thing that I say to most people is, the one thing about people with money who are paying for all of our resources or pay to hold those resources and how they're distributed is, you know, they haven't worked out with all the money they have, it's how to make more. Resources. It's, yeah. Yeah. It's fine if you control and you can pay off Congolese warlords to control coal town mines because you want to control the tech trade. It's fine if you want to, you know, pay people off in government so you can control the gold trade in South Africa. But once it's gone, it's gone. Yeah, yeah. And what are we going to do then? It's fine if, you know, Jeff Bezos runs Amazon and they use cardboard to put stuff in there. But if you're cutting down actual trees in the Amazon, it's going to be very hard. And, they, and, that's, and I think the pandemic probably put the fear of God into the wealthy at first because it was like, People don't need to go to work and leave their houses for you to exploit them. And they don't have to walk past billboards telling them, if you don't have this, you're a piece of shit. You need to have this if you want to be somebody. You want women, don't you? Buy this car, <laughs> you small dick piece of shit. They, don't, they can't say that to you because you're at home with someone who actually does care about you. So then I guess they went into the metaverse as well and started telling people, well, you can just do all this stuff online. And then we saw this massive transfer of wealth. And while this was happening, they were redesigning countries and putting all these cycle paths in there and saying we have to make roads like this because of COVID and because of COVID. I think we all know, if Co- I'm not a conspiracy theorist about COVID or the pandemic necessarily, but if it was really going to be a global killer, yeah, they wouldn't have been charging us for medicine and for, you would have to pay pharmacies to develop vaccines. It would have just been a necessity. Like, if COVID was really going to be an issue that it was going to be, why would we even charge people to get well? Why would we even charge... Like, if we know that nurses are on the front line and they are the only thing stopping us from being wiped out by a global virus, there would be no conversations about their pay rises. No, yeah. And that's the thing about capitalism, that's why I say it's a belief system. It, it does, we've been taught that it's logical, but it's not logical because, as I said, if you have the sandwich in this bunker and there's only three of us and you're the only one the sandwich, you're the real billionaire here. Yeah. But we've been taught that to look at someone who makes sandwiches shouldn't be respected yeah like i grew up in the 80s and 90s where we would ridicule farmers and were, oh, I'm, I'm a farmer i got a truck combine harvester if no one grows your food yeah, yeah, yeah. there's no much money amount of money that's going to be able to you can't put money onto soil no you can't pay the soil off well it's valueless isn't it it yeah. ultimately in the great you know it's, it only has a value if we all subscribe to that notion yeah. and believe you know? and, and think and believe yeah. just like anything uh, we can say well this country and this planet was created by a spaghetti monster it's up to us if we choose to believe it yep. and give it the energy we give it. Money is no different. It's only good if we give it. You can have a suitcase full of money. If you've hurt a nurse or hurt somebody and they say, I am taking it to treat whoever I'm treating, what are you going to do? You can't do anything. And that's, and that's the question I ask people is like, when we talk about money and stuff like that and why we're having in, insane discussions about salarizing nurses with a livable wage, salarizing transport workers with a livable wage. If you are a Christmas if you're at home this Christmas and someone in your house gets sick but nurses have to go to food banks because they can't afford to take care of themselves 
You'd ra- would you rather a nurse that's had a full slap-up meal who has had all their nutrients and their recommended daily intake of all the stuff they need to, as a human being to do their job and live properly or you want one of them that's pissed off because they've had basically half a sandwich and a cigarette today because that's all they can afford? Yeah. Like anyone, the common sense is there. Would you rather get on a train with somebody who's been able to get, you know, a good meal, good night's sleep, all of their access to their healthcare from a good nurse that's had all of their thing or you want a train driver that's tired on on caffeine pills because they're overworked because the staff's been reduced pissed off because they're going to have to take voluntary redundancy driving your train yeah yeah there's these 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 are not these are questions i think are rhetorical that you can't place a value on you want a pissed off doctor working on your you want a pissed off midwife delivering your child or you want somebody who's happy about their own life yep being responsible for someone that's in yours. Well, I mean, absolutely. It should, uh, you, you'd like to think it doesn't even need to come to that to to say like I I I need these people to be looked after because maybe they might have to look after me. But you're absolutely right. That is the way to sell it to the masses for sure. Yeah. But we should want everybody to be paid, to be remunerated, to be looked after. You should get Mick Lynch on here. I think he speaks fabulously. Oh yeah, well. I'd love know, to. I I'd definitely love to. But I don't, great... don't want to take up his time. I know he's busy doing great work. Well, for sure. Right now. But for yeah, sure. no, I'd love but, to have but, Mick Lynch on but, here. Definitely. But that's definitely the thing. Now, the, now this will be the next thing. So the Dividing yeah. the divi- the division of people, one hundred percent. They will be pitching workers against workers. Yeah, you know, working people against working people because that is the narrative. That's the way they need yeah. to be. They're, so they're we, trying to take more than their fair share because if we got to give them money, you can't have. You got to have less money. Your trade fair is yeah, going to yeah. go up. Yeah. Just, no, how about we look at the bosses? How about we look at the bonuses? How about we look at the, you know, the way the things being run and all of yeah. this and how the contracts are being awarded and one. You know, we have to look beyond the headline. We have to look beyond the claim. We have to. But, that's it, but you that's know, the thing about headlines is that one of the issues is like for a long time we all grew up thinking the news just tells us what happens yeah we know one knew that you can buy the news and then you can pay someone to tell everyone what they think is do you want them to think is happening and that's a problem as well but the job thing is very interesting as well chris because i don't think we have much time where jobs are concerned jobs used to be a big part of human existence because your occupation was basically what gave you your name people used to be called butcher and baker and smith because those were nominative determinism that was your job but as time's going on, there's a lot of jobs now that are being done can be done by artificial intelligence and by computers, which means not that people are useless because they will have news, but we're going to have to think of new ways yeah. to make our lives relevant other than going to work and coming home because now you can call a bank and not speak to a human being. You can call your hairdresser and not, or, or someone can call on your behalf. You don't need to speak to a human being. Like even people, like, you know, we, even when we talk about peasantries and surf and stuff like that, even even if you were a butler or a maid or a cleaner, now half the stuff you do now, someone can shout Alexa to do it for them. Yep. You know, Alexa can make a shopping list. They can put appointments in. Alexa can probably, you could say to Alexa, go to parents' evening. My kid's got a watch. Let the teacher feedback into the watch, and you feed back to me. That's we're not that far off. Yeah, yeah. And so it means that now things like jobs and stuff, and all of these normal ways that it would move us on the chessboard and manipulate us, they're not going to exist anymore. You're not like people like you know some of our leaders have been like I'm going to bring back jobs how long yeah. how long will you bring back jobs for what What will be the what will be why would anybody still work in sewage when we can have robots that can do it so it's not a biohazard it's not dangerous and it's not thankless why would you work when you need to sleep as a human being and you need to spend time with other human beings as part of being a social species or other living creatures where there are now going to be a new species in the form of AI that doesn't need to sleep and doesn't care about sexual orientation, doesn't care about religion because it, it doesn't it means nothing to it. It doesn't have to take the time off for Christmas and stuff. And so 
that world is changing anyway. So even when we talk about what divides us, as far as AI is concerned, you lot are all the same. Because you all got you're all human beings, you're all meat sacks, you're all carbon based, you all need air and water. We're not like that. So we see you like this. So while we are so busy worrying about what makes us different to everybody else, these guys, they all talk the same language and they don't care about sexual orientation or colour or religion. And the problem is they know how to speak the binary language of yes and no. Because that's how they talk. It's just zero and one. We're not like that. And when we try to be like that, it goes very badly, as we have seen. And we're going to have to work out how to be ourselves and also how to interact with these guys. Because yeah. we obviously want to continue spending time in the social media or in the metaverse, but we can't do it trying to be like them. We need to work out, like I said, how to be meta-humans in the metaverse. And that's probably going to include stuff like, you know, understanding there is no reason why someone in the same spaces as us living the same way who is in the eyes of AI is no different to the rest of us having a better standard of life because they've got more money and yeah. we, we, we need to understand that so uh, yeah I think that's kind of brought us to the end uh, I, I hope that we've uh, covered the questions very well Chris you absolutely have no it's been fascinating uh, uh, glad, I could talk to you all day about this absolutely stuff, you know. and it's, it's, that's a good thing about it I think that's a large part of human beings like you said building a bridge to healing is continuing to question our existence and what makes us who we are uh, so I thank you for bringing such a good and insightful question to the podcast it's really cool um, for our listeners that want to hear more from you Chris because they've heard all of my shit already um, <laughs> <laughs> where can we find out about your good works past present and future uh, so I suppose ironically social media would be the place to come yeah. uh, I'm on uh, Twitter and Instagram so I think it's Chris.Bavin or Chris something Bavin um, yeah feel free come and say hello give me a follow and um, yeah I, I post all my sort of you know next projects and different bits and pieces up there um, and yeah just wish all your listeners a very Merry Christmas and yourself and I think yeah just Thank let's you. all just try and be a bit kinder you know to, I'm sure all your listeners are lovely kind people anyway but you know I think as a, as a general rule of thumb you know let's use this Christmas as a springboard to maybe being a bit more tolerant a bit more lenient a little bit more understanding and a little bit more uh, receptive to people agreed so there you go guys chris bavin's message is love yourself and love one another it's the only way we're going to survive chris bavin thank you so much for coming on the podcast really appreciate it sir you're welcome thank you for having me you've been listening to dane baptiste questions everything hosted by dane baptiste and myself howard cohen for more from dane and myself make sure you follow us on instagram at dane snaptiste and at the howard cohen you can now support us on patreon just search dbqe podcast and unlock ad-free content and you can watch the full-length video of the podcast please don't forget to rate review and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts if you have a question for dane make sure you send us a dm on instagram at dbqe podcast and we could feature you in our next episode thanks for listening guys and remember question everything insanity group normally being a little extra might be a bit much but not when it comes to healthcare. that's why united healthcare's health protector guard fixed indemnity insurance plans underwritten by golden rule insurance company supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs learn more at uh1.com